you. And if you're new here today, um, welcome. It's great to have you here. And it's great to be here on a Sunday morning. Last week, can I hear a, a shout from the ladies in the house? Come on, we went away. There was 133 of us. Um, as True North women, it's so awesome that we get these unique opportunities to be able to gather together as True North Church. And we did that in a fabulous way, chatting, crying, all these fun things that women do. But it was just an awesome opportunity to be able to go away and see what God would say and what God would do in the midst of us. And he certainly did show up and he showed up in incredible ways that um, he was able to speak to us and, and come out of that weekend where we saw many that were new to the church being able now to have relationships, what, 20, 30, 40 women, um, as they shared rooms and cabins together. So it has been an awesome week, and we are here in full force. Women are leading the charge, I hope. Nah. Apparently, apparently last week, is this right? I was hearing it as the Abandonment Sunday. Was that what was taking place? That was what was taking place. Oh, sorry, guys. Your turn will come. October. Pencil it in. Pencil it in, man camp, on the farm. You don't quite have the same luxuries as women, but... But this morning we're continuing in on that series, um, No Plus Ones. And as I've been hearing this unfold over the last few weeks and um, that idea of, you know, the plus, the awkward plus ones at different events where, you know, you're, you're showing up and you're that plus one, you're shimmied off to the side as photos and things had, have taken place... And I remember a time where, um, it was a while ago now, it was many, many years ago, but I'm still holding on to it, um, the time when Jeff and I were nearly dating, I shared this a little while ago, and um, he was invited to a wedding, and he asked if he could bring a friend, and they just like completely shut it down. There was no, no going to that wedding, so I wasn't even a plus one, I was just non-existent, not even allowed to go. So anyhow, so I hope you feel better, and if you are that plus one, we can pray for you. Just shake it off, shake it off. Um, you'll be fine. But this morning we're going to continue in on this idea of no plus ones and how Paul is speaking to the church, which is a new church, um, new believers, and he's encouraging them and strengthening them in their faith and what that looks like to be mature followers of Christ. So for each one of us that, you know, we never arrive at where Jesus wants us. There's always a step. There's always something that we need to be walking in um, as we become more and more um, followers of Christ, more and more like Christ in our lives. And as we was reading these um, scriptures, um, I likened it to, as I was reading through it, um, that idea of in the physical, how we, we grow up from the toddler stages of life where we're learning to walk, we walk and we fall down, and we, but we get up and we keep walking, to the awkward teenage years where, you know, those teenage years and they come, I've got a few teenagers, but um, they're, they're going through that awkward stage of, you know, where is my focus, everything around me is, is pulling for attention, where, where is that sit? And then also the adulthood, or these days called adulting. We all heard this. Adulting is, Boz, I've got your attention here. Adulting is apparently where they become adults and they have to do washing. It's like, yes, you do. Yes, you do. That's exactly what you have to do. But then there's those stages where, you know, through this, the phases of uh, growing up, that each one, one of us will grow old. Whether we like it, whether we try to stop it, no matter what, we're going to get old. But the reality is that we'll grow old, but that isn't guaranteed that we'll be mature. <laughs> so this morning, yes, we've got a few laughs. Uh, so this morning, we're going to open up these scriptures. 
And it's going to, for each one of us, that, you know, we can journey through our Christian faith, but also be quite complacent in where we're at. This scripture um, does challenge us to keep moving and to keep growing into being mature Christians, being mature followers of Christ. So I hope that this morning that we are ready to become more mature. Turn to someone and say, are you ready? Yeah, we're ready. That's good. In Colossians 2 verse 6. So then, just as you receive Jesus as Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live. And over here, this word live, um, what Paul's describing here, is actually to walk. He is saying, you are going to be walking in him. You are going to move. It is going to be an action step. You're not going to remain where you are. You have just become, you know, moved your attention. You're going to follow Christ. But here he's saying to live, to walk to move, to move into what Christ is calling us to. So walk out, that, walk out your lives in him. Walk out your faith. Continually to move. So continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. To become, uh, you know, towards that mature Christian, what we need to do, and the word says here, is to be built up in him. And another key word that I pull out of these, these verses here is to continue. That, you know, for each one of us, that, you know, we might be new in the faith, we might be here, and we've walked that journey for many, many years. But the challenge to us today is, how are you continually moving towards Christ? How are you continually moving to be built up and be more mature in Christ? And so for many of us that we're like, oh yeah, this is great, I've done what Jesus has done, told me to do, and I'll just stop here for a moment. But he doesn't do that. He actually calls for each one of us that if you've got breath in your lungs, that we are to be continually moving and continually walking in him. That for, for it is never a stage where we can sit back and relax and think, yep, I'm doing okay here, I'm doing right. It's, like, it's okay, I'll just take a little breather. But what Christ does is he calls us to continually walk in him. And, you know, some things that I, I recognize that potentially could stop us continually being built up in him is sometimes we make mistakes. And I know for myself, I've made epic mistakes along the journey. And um, there has been time, and I remember one big moment in my life where I made the most epic mistake. And um, it was many, many years ago. But it was a mistake where I thought, I'm just going to have to stay back here because I'm just no good to anyone. I am just no good to God. I'm just messed up completely and I don't think he should use me. I just don't think I am worth that. And these epic mistakes can cause us to pull away to what, what God would call us to. It can cause us to just take a few steps back. It can cause us to not continue in on our journey. It can cause us to remain where we are because it's safe. But in fact, your greatest failure is actually God's greatest moments. That through, you know, uh, messing up and getting it wrong, that God uses that in moments to teach us, to grow us, to pick us up and to be able to move us to where God is calling us to. And through those moments, that great picture of a broken vessel that, you know, we may epically failed and it's all pieces smashed everywhere, but yet he picks it up. And he uses it and he remolds it. And what he does is that through those cracks and through those brokennesses, that he is able to shine his light, his love, his mercy, 
and he is able to do immeasurably more than what we thought he could. So I can encourage you that if, like myself, you have messed up and you're in that season where actually I'm just going to remain and pull back a little, that a word today is that God is saying, come on, we need to continue and to be built up in him. Because in him, not ourselves, that he is able to work through us. That he's able to use us. He's able to use all those brokennesses, all the, all the pieces that are broken. And he pulls it all together. And he remolds us and shapes us into what he's calling us to. So can I encourage you to do that? And as I, I liken this stage to be built up in him and to be walking in him, I see that toddler stage of life where, you know, when they're learning to walk and if you've got a kid in that stage or I remember back from when our kids were learning to walk, that in that moment there's this proud parents that are alongside and encouraging to get up and to be able to walk and to be able to move. And there's that parent that's in the front and they're encouraging them and they're calling them forth, come on, you can do it, come on, you walk, you can grab that step and whether it be one or two and then it goes a little bit further. And there's that parent that will be in front just encouraging them to come, come and get up and walk. And then there's the, the parent possibly behind that is saying, I have got you. I am right behind you. doesn't matter. You aren't going to get hurt. I will catch you as you fall. And then there's the one that maybe along the, the way as they start taking a few more steps, that parent comes alongside and he's cheering them on. He's like, yeah, 10 steps. You're getting it done. How much more is our Heavenly Father that for us? That as we walk, that as we fall, that he is in front of us, he is behind us, he is beside us, and he says you can do it. Continue on. Don't remain where you are. Don't stay stuck where you are. If you failed, it's okay. I'll pick you up. But come on, continue to walk. And for some of us, we're like, yeah, well, I haven't had an epic fail. But, you know, sometimes it's just easy and comfortable to stay where we are. But again, what he's calling us to is to not remain where we are, but for each one of us, whatever that step looks like, that we take another step in him, that we take another step of um, walking towards him in our journey. In verse 8 it says, So to it, see to it, let's say that, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the, the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. That, can I tell you, like, I've read this scripture a lot, and to be honest, coming out of women's retreat... This is something, not knowing what this week's scripture was, opening it up on Monday, but it is a scripture, it is something that I've been having to speak over my life, something that I've been having to speak over other people's and communicate this over other people's lives, that you know that all power and authority is in Jesus Christ. There's all power and authority that as we fix our focus on him, that everything else doesn't matter. That in his name, as we focus in on him, as we pay our attention to him, as we speak of the name of Jesus Christ, that every parent authority must go. And I've been speaking that out to many. I've never spoken that scripture out as much as I have this week. And I, I feel that is a word for us today. That we need to fix our focus purely on the name of Jesus Christ. That in this place, that there will be all sorts of powers and authorities. It's at work in us. 
at work, there's these, um, this spiritual realm that is at work. Whether we've experienced it or not, it is at work. But in the name and the power and authority of Jesus Christ, it has no bearing on us. That in his name, the enemy is under our feet. That he has won the victory. That as we take in communion and he has paid that price on the cross, that for each one of us, we stand in the authority and the power of the name of Jesus. And our focus needs to be on him. Sometimes these things can scramble around us and things take place and we quickly take our focus to those things. But in fact, as we focus in on him, as our attention is on Jesus, that all these things must go. All these things must flee. And one of the big things I think of our day that grabs, quickly grabs our attention is Facebook, is it not? <laughs> Would we agree? Maybe just for me. Um, so, <laughs> I'll speak anyhow. Um, so, this idea of, you know, and I hear many people say this, that, you know, as they're taking moments in their day and they've got little lulls or whatever it may be. Now, Facebook, i got Facebook. I love Facebook. It's, it's awesome. But then there's these moments in days where there's this quiet moment and their quick response is to pick up Facebook, see what the auntie's daughter's sister is having for dinner tonight. There's all these things that um, grab our attention on Facebook where um, our focus and our attention can sometimes purely be set on these things in the Facebook world. And it takes our attention away from what our focus should be. It takes our attention away from what Jesus is saying to us. That in those quiet moments, do we take for a moment to stop and pause and fix our eyes on him? Or do we take a moment to pause and look at what the sister's cousin's auntie's doing for dinner? Our focus should be on him. Our focus is uh, one that should be placed fixed on him. That you know, right, and it may not, be fo- uh, may not be Facebook that grabs your attention or your focus. It could be um, your work. It could be your new boyfriend or girlfriend. It could be some of these other things. You place it in the place of what Facebook might be. But for each one of us, we do have good things in our lives. Work is an important thing. Family is an important thing. But is our first focus Jesus Christ? And so we need to be able to fix our our attention, our focus on Jesus that all these things will compete for it, but are we, are we remaining in him and have we got our eyes fixed on him? I, I remember as, um, you know, in these teenage years, as we talk about um, what that may look like in the physical and as you, you rem- if you remember your teenage years, that in that moment, your attention and your focus is all over the place. It's like shifts from one thing to another. I got a teenage boy and I remember asking him to go feed the dog and he went out and he came back. I'm like, did you feed the dog? No, no, no. He's like, so there's just all other competing things that will naturally grab our attention through these years. But also I remember in this moment that as a teenager, I had this fixed focus on um, wanting to get some shoes for athletics. I was in State Little Athletics and we were at Perry Lakes. I don't think that's around anymore. And, um, and my fixed focus was to try to get these shoes no matter what. And so I'm from a family of six and my mum and dad were going to visit family in Sydney for the first time leaving all the kids behind, which is a massive deal for them. This is one and only time, in fact. And so they, they were going and I thought, here's my time. Mum's feeling quite guilty about leaving the family. It's opportune time to, to get it in, just the last little say, how can I get these shoes? 
And um, yes, I got them. It was very cool. They were very lightweight. They were blue and orange. They were perfect um, training shoes. And I put these shoes on and um, I wore them to the race and they were terrible. I always wore bare feet, but I wanted these shoes in this moment. I wasn't flinching from getting these shoes. And so I got them, wore them for one race and never wore them again. Focus changed. Something else happened. And um, so for each one of us, there'll be things that compete for our attention. There'll be things in our world that would want our focus to shift away. You know, some very good things, like whether it be work or family, whatever it is, which are all very important. But where is our focus fixed when it comes to Jesus? And to be able to remain in him and keep our eyes on him through all the things that we've got to work through in our days. What does it look like to place our focus in on him? In verse 11, it says, In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised in him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. As we become more mature Christians, our commitment to him is, is one of those decisions that many of us would have made even here as we talk about, you know, being buried with him in baptism. That for uh, many of us, if we're a Christian for a while, we would have made and gone through, that, um, gone through that commitment with Christ where we've declared in front of people to say that I am going to be baptised in the name of Jesus Christ. And this morning, very excitingly, we have T-Bond being baptised and we're going to hear her story um, a little later. But we also had Shazzy being baptised, coming out of women's retreat. We caught up and God has just been working in her heart since then and has been stirring up stuff in her and so I caught up with her on the Wednesday and um, so we caught up and we had a, um, a great catch up and we we're praying through some stuff and doing some stuff and she had come and I just mentioned this idea of um, you know what does it look like for you to make that next commitment that next step in your journey to be able to follow Christ and be baptized and she goes yep I'm all ready I've got all my gear right here ready to go and I'm like uh I don't have any water. Um, <laughs> so, which is very exciting. So as God is stirring her up, she's like, yes, I am ready. I'm here. I've got all my gear. I didn't have water, unfortunately, at that time. But this morning at our 9am service was able to baptize um, Shazzy as God is working through her life to say that I am going to commit to follow you. I am going to declare in front of all these people to say that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior over my life. And we'll see that again in this, this um, service with Tivon. A beautiful 25-year-old, had her birthday yesterday and is again standing today to say that I'm going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and Saviour. I am going to commit to being baptised and following him, knowing that through the baptism of Jesus Christ that the old has gone, the old is buried. No longer am I circum we circumcised by flesh, which was the old, where um, they came into the people of Israel into God's people, but now as a new covenant people that we are, we have that circumcision of the heart where, you know, Christ works in our lives that as we say and commit to him in this journey, in this faith walk, that he brings that newness of who we are and he calls us into who we're, we're yet to be. And um, with that, we see incredible ways that Christ moves through us. 
And this morning, even if you're out there and um, you're toying with that idea or you're in that, that journey of faith to say that, actually, you know, what does it look like to be baptised? You know, for many of us, we love, this is the most exciting part of church that we get to do is to be able to see someone be baptised, see someone take that step of baptism for themselves. And if that's you, we'd love for you to um, make a note of that on the Next Step cards. And we go through, walk through some um, questions and talk about what does it mean to be baptised and what does it look like for your story and what has God been doing in your life. There's no greater privilege than that. So I'd encourage you, if that's um, part of your journey and perhaps your next step, to be able to write that on a card and we'll follow you up with that as well. But it is um, just an, an amazing privilege to be able to walk and be able to live out this faith that um, Christ is calling us to. What Paul is saying here to the Colossian church, he's saying to be able to, to this new church, our young church, to say that through Jesus Christ, that through this circumcision of heart, that this is what, what is required. This is what Jesus has done. This is what we do. This is our next step in following Jesus in our lives. That in him we are circumcised and not by that human flesh, but by our heart. And I love that God is always about our heart and always about working through our heart and working through um, all those things that compete with what Christ is calling us to. And um, he just is able to provide his love, his grace, his mercy, that as we continually walk in those ways, that he just uh, lays it before us. In verse 13, it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the circumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of, of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. How incredible are those words? And I'd love to invite the um, worship team up as we wrap up this morning. That, you know, I don't know about you, but when I read those words, when I read the truth of this scripture, when I read that, you know, Jesus Christ has nailed it all to the cross, that no longer do we have sin, no longer are we held back, no longer do we stay in these, these places that the enemy has power over us. But we stand in that power and authority that has triumphed over the enemy, that has triumphed over death, that in him we are alive in Christ, that we are made whole, that we walk in the freedom, that there is no chains that hold us back anymore. But in his name, the name of Jesus, that we stand in the power and authority of that. That, to, that nail to the cross, that no longer do we look back. No longer are we condemned. No longer does the enemy have power over us. No longer are we slave to sin. But these words, can I read them again? He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, can I hear amen? Are they powerful words? This morning as we wrap up, I love if we can pray in that space. That, you know, as we all are taking that next step, and in, the, in that scripture it says to walk in him, 
to be able to action what that next step is. That this morning I'd love to be able to pray for us. That, you know, as we take those next steps, as whether it be, you know, maybe you've had an epic fail and maybe you've been held back because of it. No longer do you need to hold back. That through his grace, his love, his mercy, he says, come on, jump up. It's time to walk again. It's time to move. I'm calling in you into greater things. And greater your failure, greater am I in those moments. Or, you know, maybe our focus is shifted. And there's all sorts of distractions that can come and shift that focus for us. But in this moment, we are realigned and say, Jesus, may you be my focus. May my attention and my eyes and my heart be aligned to you. That you would lead me, that you would guide me, that you would show me even what these next stages are. Or even that next bit where it says, where we could be committed to him. That, you know, whether it be through baptism, maybe it is just a recommitment of heart to him. To say that, you know, maybe I've strayed and, you know, heart's just gone all other directions. That Jesus Christ in this moment, may I recommit to you. Surrender it all back to you. That, Lord, that you nailed that to the cross. That you have paid the price. And no longer do I, am I slave to sin. So I'd love to pray for us as I wrap up. And uh, maybe we can all stand.